0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 191, Ask Me Anything.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's episode. I'm so glad
0: to have you with me. It's a privilege and an honor always to sit down and share some insights and listen carefully to what's happening in the world writ large in your finances and to think differently with you about what matters, what matters most to you. And this episode is going to be kind of special because I literally will be listening to you. Um, because every month or so on our Not Your Average financial community, we have an office hours where folks, clients, um, onlookers and revolutionaries of the Not Your Average Financial Revolution are hopping on a Zoom call with me and just shooting the breeze. You know, sometimes there's lots of heavy hitting questions. Other times it's more casual and laid back. And we put those uh, questions up for anyone who'd like to join. And I guess this is as good a time as any to invite you. If you haven't joined our Not Your Average Financial Community, guys, what are you waiting for? There's discussions uh, accountability threads, gr- subgroups where you can learn about real estate investing and paying for college. There's lots of things happening on that site, uh, and we'd be honored to have you as a member. It's always better when you're at the party. So join us at notyouraverage.mn.co to be a part of that group. Uh, now, again, once a month, we have an office hours where folks can ask me anything, and we really, folks have really brought it the last few months. So we put together a short Oh, kind of a sampling of those uh, questions and put them out for you for today's episode. So guys, hold on to your hats. We're going to go right into the Q&A. It's going to be kind of a grab bag, and we might do this occasionally. So guys, just um, enjoy this episode with lots of our onlookers, revolutionaries, and wonderful clients. So my question, my question is, can I do a one-time lump sum without any reoccurring um, premiums on a key man, whole life dividend paying policy? Uh, yes, is the shortest answer I can give you. Yes, <laughs> Is that a good question? Yeah, good yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. If you got a windfall or some sort of lump sum, you can dump that money in as a lump sum and it's a key man or key person policy. That's your lump sum. The coolest thing is typically a key person policy, James, has you know, cash value, significant cash, like day one. Um, and it's all liquid for the business. So, so here, created a line of credit for yourself. There's kind of two ways we can look at it and we'll run the numbers eventually, you know, privately off, off offline here if you want to, but you can do a single premium policy. And those are pretty awesome because they give you all your cash right away. In fact, I'm going to share my screen here to show you an example of one while we're talking. If I'm able to here. Yeah, there you go. So one of our older episodes, episode 91, shows an example here of one of those single premium policies. Um, here's a guy or actually a gal, her name's Mary putting in, she puts in 211,000 bucks in one year. Do you see that? Check out how much cash she has in the first year there. Look at all that cash. I mean, it's huge. It's like 90 plus percent of her premium is ready to go within 30 days. That's just awesome. Um, and she never has to add more to it ever again. So I just think that's so cool. Um, but here's the gotcha on this type of policy. If you're younger than 59 and a half, then the gains on the policy would be taxed and assessed. They'd be taxed on the gains and a 10% penalty would be assessed too.
2: Um,
0: yeah, we That's... don't like that. Mm. So my, maybe an, another option would be something that looks closer to like this. Here's the same guy. He's putting in 32,000 bucks for four years. He's a younger dude. So this was, this was somebody who's you know, putting in four years and then taking loans out starting in the second year. Um, And then he only funds the policy for four years. I don't know if you can see that, James, but he just straight up stops after four years. Now he could keep funding after the fourth year, but this is a guy who's just wanting to, like you said, he's got a couple of real estate properties he wants to buy, or in your case, the HVAC system, the roof, you know, this might be a better mode because this is all tax-free funded slowly over four years. So maybe check that out yeah what episode was that again uh, this is episode one seventy four that sounds like a much better option thank you for that yeah cool man and then just chat me after um after you've listened and watched it and then let's keep chatting about it that's exciting
2: awesome thank you you know mark um i my kids are much older and they have a whole different complex situation and but none of them have any <laughs> knowledge at all and you know, daddy, what's a stock and, uh, you know, mutual funds and life insurance. So to me, it's a much more, they're ready for the high level, but how do you give that to them? I mean, it's complicated. And then of course, as soon as you start sitting them down to talk about it, they're like, uh, that, you know, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) They just don't have the patience to learn. So it's really like, I've been looking for an avenue or something that I can, you know, without me creating videos for them. Yeah. Of how to to go about that, and saying, you know, I'm thinking my next vacation, we're just going to go and together and say, okay, we're going to set aside two hours in the morning, and we're going to go through this. Tom, I think that's actually a really
0: smart idea. When I first learned about Bank on Yourself, it was a mentor of mine, a father figure. Like I had a, a dad, of course, but I and I learned money lessons from my father. But it was a mentor of mine who sat down one afternoon. He came up to Chicago to visit us, and he said. Mark, I have something really important I want to talk to you about. It's called Bank on Yourself, just as a bookmark. Let's take about an hour to talk about it. And I knew that it was going to take an hour to go through. And I I had my arms crossed the entire time, you know, and I was trying to figure out how how my mentor had fallen into this crazy scam called Bank on Yourself. Um, But anyway, it was was neat to be told, I guess, I like your concept, Tom, of like, telling your children, I don't know your children at all, of course, but telling them, Hey, this is going to take a minute. Uh, this is important to me that I share this with you. Uh, here's about how long it'll last. So they know when it's going to be over if they're not into it. Um, but that gives, that's a really cool idea. Just giving them that framework to, to chat about it. Really cool.
3: Also another option. I'm very big into games, you know, games are good for kids, adults, you know, old people, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And if you can figure out any way to create a game out of whatever it is you're trying to teach, they'll learn a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can just call it, this is the mutual fun game, you know, and we're going to talk, you know, you know, you can make it a jeopardy. You can make it a family feud. You can say, you know, what do you know about this? What don't you know? And as you go through it, it, it it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. You know, I actually have family feud from 1978, you know, the, the board game, and you can make your own entries, So you can literally put in the answers to the question and then you'll say, now you have to talk about it. And if you just do one, it's kind of fun. It's like to win something, whatever is going to win, win some money. You know, if you happen to know more than your sister or brother. (laughs) So um, games really help. You know, you got to be creative that way. It's a
0: great idea. Thank you. That's awesome. I love that. Okay, I'm going to pull up. Christine's questions. She brought up a few really thoughtful ones. So Christine, do you want, I'm, I'm pulling up your questions here, but would you like to give any, like, would you like to voice any of these questions, Christine? Are you still on? Christine? I'm here. Oh, yes. Oh, hi there. Hi there.
4: Hi. Thank you for addressing my questions. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about them. Um, yeah. So I see some models where, uh, I think the retirement uh, withdrawal start at like 65 if that's the age of retirement uh, and it kind of taps into your death uh, the death benefit what happens if you want to start your retirement earlier and start withdrawing um, or borrowing against it like do you, I assume because the, the models that are shown is you don't have to necessarily pay it back um, but if you are like 45, for example, and you say, I want to retire early, i want to start tapping into that death benefit. Is that something that you can do? And how can you do it? What does it look like?
0: I'll let you go for that, Brandon. Would you like to jump in on that question first?
2: Sure. So I would say the, the way in which we calculate it, we do the 5% and kind of say, all right, Seventy-one to ninety-five. What's that going to be, and how can I get the max amount of cash value for that amount of time? So, if you think about it, then if you're going to do it at forty-five, uh, you're going to have thirty plus more years to add in, and so your amount that you could take out is probably going to be a lot less unless you have a lot more volume in the front end. If it's going to last for longer you're still going to be okay. We just want to make sure it doesn't, what we say, lapse. We want to make sure that the policy will stay intact throughout your life and hopefully you live to be over 100. And so we want to make sure that we're not stressing it too much, but at the same time reaching those goals. Does that make sense?
4: Yes, it does. It does. So it's like once it reaches the the max point is when you can start tapping into it is kind of what,
2: no, I, I just, we just pick 71. It's good for math sake, 25 years or so uh, in retirement. And we can know about 5% that we're taking out. So whenever you, if you were to start at 45, then I, I would say it's probably like 2%. And so you're not going to want to take out 10% every year, because that's not even, the math won't work for that. So I just thinking about, Okay. What is that? And what I like about this is scenarios are going to change. I think you guys do real estate or something, right? So the, the thing that I kind of think about is maybe you're retired, but you're getting income from somewhere else too. And this is going to offset that. So it might be 2% and you're getting income from somebody else. Um, This is just building on to your overarching picture.
4: Okay. Thank you. There's there's just like different levers and stuff that you have to see what works best in, in your scenario, right?
0: Yep. What, yeah. um, Christine, what doesn't make sense about that? Cause um, you know, it's a, it's a counterintuitive way to retire, mm-hmm. to access money in a life insurance policy. I mean, most people think about life insurance as the money I'm gonna leave my family someday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what is new to you or questions that you have about how the policy could be used for retirement? Cause that's a big, that's a big shift for a lot of folks to see it that.
4: Is. Yeah. And it's definitely a big shift for me. Like I never realized that,
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, in a way it's kind of like a lot of companies are doing away with pensions and all that. Like this is kind of creating your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course you're paying into it early on when you are working, which I mean, is the same thing too. So I, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of, it's definitely a mind, mindset shift as to like what this is and like how, um, how it builds into your whole life financial plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's all learning for me. So I, I it's, it's good to kind of just see that.
2: And one of the things I do think about is I'm going to switch at some point Maybe to, I'm not, I'm going to be on a golf course or something, but at some, for right now, I'm thinking more of business minded, turning the money, you know, the, the circles of life stuff, kids, college, things like that are what's happening right now. Um, And then in the future, I'm still thinking about that, but I'm, I'm kind of tapping into my retirement funds for the business side of things. But then I'm also thinking about, okay, when am I going to retire, whether it's 45 or 65 and it's always changing as my life changes.
1: Yes. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of a several questions that you ask here, Christine. So I'll bring mm-hmm. this up, this, um, this, this uh, comment, I took a screenshot of it and then Sam mm-hmm. Um, you had a follow-up question too on inflation. So
1: mm-hmm. you
0: wrote, what are some ways we can leverage our policy for early retirement? If you want to retire at age 45 or within 10 years, is that, yeah, am I reading for that, me, right?
4: that 10 years?
0: <laughs> right cool. Cool. Yeah. So I want to take that first question for a minute as well. And just say, if I have a, a desire to get income right now, like within five years, funding a life insurance policy alone for retirement income within five years from now is not going to be your best strategy. Like Mm -hmm. because we're overcoming the cost of insurance in those first couple of years. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would have been just had more money to spend in a savings account than a whole life policy within a five-year window.
1: Right.
0: That's just upfront. However, now let's go back and talk about all that wealth that you're building up in your life insurance policy If you've designed it the bank on yourself way, let's pretend for sake of example, that you've got a quarter of a million dollars in cash, Christine, in your life insurance policy in a couple of years within that 10 year window before you retire, you've got all that money in there. And again, guys add a zero, take away a zero. If that number is not your number, but uh, let's pretend that you've Christine, you've got a quarter million dollars. Hope you like it. Um, and And now you're going to borrow against that policy to go buy some real estate. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, your policy will continue to grow, even as if you had not borrowed against the policy. Mm -hmm. And now your real estate is paying you a rent check, Mm -hmm. you know, your tenant and so forth is paying you rent. And so you're preparing for that passive income in a 10 year window Mm -hmm. and you're preparing for that retirement, even though the policy itself is not going to be shouldering the whole burden of your Mm -hmm. retirement. It's certainly there to help buffer against, um, that upcoming event when you stop getting a paycheck every day and every month. So those are some ways you can leverage your policy for early retirement, because I don't know anybody who wouldn't benefit from a bunch of capital that you could invest, you know, for retirement or to help grow your business let's say, I, I believe you guys have some real estate and I believe a business. Is that is that correct?
4: Correct. Yes. So I do real estate. My husband has his own business.
0: Okay, great. Both proven pathways to success. The policy is really just your nitrous oxide for both. You know, it's just the, it's the accelerant. So draw on the policy to help fuel your business or fuel your real estate, both of which, let's say you sell your business in 10 years for a large seven figures or eight figures. I don't know what your business might be worth, but whatever you sell your business and the policy helped you get to that valuation, you Mm -hmm. know? So again, the policy is sort of like the nitrous oxide or the accelerant that gets you there.
1: Um,
0: that was my yellow highlighter question. (laughs) Then you ask a a really good question here. What are some creative ways to save premiums every year? And just to give my voice a rest, I'm going to let Brandon give it a shot, but Christine, would you add anything? Could you could you give a bit more spice or flavor to this question, just so mm-hmm. I understand what you're asking?
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I got my policy through Amanda, <laughs> your wife. Cool. Uh, she's been really great. Um, but, you know, I was really surprised by how much <laughs> the premiums were. They were, they're, they're a lot. They're a significant chunk of money. But um, they are designed, uh, the policy was designed based on what our current financial world right now so um we're used to we're big savers we're used to just saving money um but the kind of ways the the way that we save is a lot like you know stuffing it under the mattress (laughs) or keeping it in our savings account it's not really growing or doing a whole lot um it's kind of shifting my mindset towards you know maybe using this as our savings account but just you know those premiums are pretty high and i'm like well you know, should we also have a separate savings account? Cause I don't know if I wanna put all of it in there. It's, it's a lot of money every year. Um, and then also we don't know if every year is going to be as profitable as, you know, our last couple of years which have been very profitable. Um, like what if somehow the business goes under which is the the main driver of our income? Like how, how, how would we do this? Like what, we, what we have to do to make our minimum premium payments at least. And, you know, I have a couple ideas myself because I do real estate, although my real estate is more for rentals. Um, I could be like, well, I'll just flip, you know, a couple houses every year and that could be our pre- premium payment. But that's that's just an idea. Like if we really needed to make that payment instead of like not including borrowing the money from the policy to make the premium payment, but like what other ways can we make that big lump sum payment?
2: I kind of think about this uh, again as a business idea, uh, and thinking about the base premium or whatever the cost of insurance is—that's kind of keeping the lights on and, and whatever that is. So mine is I think eleven thousand. Just kind of make sure that I'm I'm building that into the cost of my business, right? And that's just uh, helpful to think about. And then I have other money that's set for the flow going into the business that I'm using for, let's say property taxes and all of that. So all of our money goes through our policy for most part to take care of property tax, take care of other things that are happening that are going to be expenses that we're going to have to take on in the future. Buying a car is one that we're working on uh, in for pretty soon. And so we're putting it through paying back loans because I'm going to buy a car in the future with it or the windows. Maybe Amanda shared about that. We went through a, a scenario and then my business policy, I used it for a real example that just happened. My podcast producer said, if you pay up front, I'll give you two months free. I'm like, well, I don't have the I don't have the cash in my account, in my bank account. I have it in my policy. So what did I do? I said, well, take a loan out. And then what I did was I, instead of paying back my loan, I'm putting it into the PUA writer, the paid up additions writer, and I'm funding my policy more to grow it more with, with more dividends because I'm thinking long range. So instead of paying back the loan uh, I'm thinking about building up the policy, but if it was, I need more liquidity in two months, I might pay back the loan, depending on what the scenario is at the time. Um, but there's a lot of ways as your business owner to think where am I paying annually and how can I use the policy to enhance that? Because then you get dividends too that just built up on the policy.
4: It's just kind of like a lot of planning and making sure that it's fitting.
2: Yeah. And I don't know, did Amanda show you like YNAB or we, we budget our cash value. So then I know there's no, oops, I forgot. I've budgeted my cash value to know that my um, expenses for property tax, taxes for business, all of that stuff is ready whenever it's time to deploy it in whatever time frame.
0: I'll add just a few thoughts to that. That's really helpful. Brandon, I see our time, so I'll keep this brief. Um, But I, I have a few different ways that have been helpful, and I just looked over the last couple of conversations I've had with folks in just actual conversations with people. Like how are how are our clients creatively funding their policies? This is not a comprehensive list, and it's you know just to get the the juices flowing, creative juices flowing. You can reposition savings. So we've had a lot of folks this morning, for example. I had a discussion with a gentleman who. Um, does profit first. And he had a big profit hold account with a lot of money in it. And he needed to come up with a way to fund his policy. In fact, he he decided to change his philosophy from having a savings account for his profit first profit account to using a policy to hold and, and keep his warehouse of profits. And he's got a very successful business that he runs. So repositioning savings. If you get a tax refund that might be a way to funnel money into your policy also if you have an escrow account that you keep for your real estate you know for property taxes etc as long as you've got the money in the policy to fund those annual expenses you can use your escrow uh, be your own source of escrow which is pretty cool i also had a conversation today with someone who's wanting to do a cash out refinance Uh, this person had several hundred thousand dollars of money trapped in the drywall of their properties and they're using their property for cash flow christine just like uh it sounds like you're doing and with interest rates low cashing out pulling harvesting equity we call it out of the property uh locks in the gains you've and we've all enjoyed in the real estate world and dumping that into a policy or policies uh now makes that you know grow on a guaranteed basis you know, under the contract, uh, the insurance contract. And that equity now is free from market real estate market volatility. And he's actually going to get a better yield on his property because the interest rates are going down Mm -hmm. and rent is going up slowly once people start paying rent again. Um, So, you know, that's been a a boon for him to build that uh, cash out refinance strategy into paying for his premiums. Uh, Other people who are you know, in the right position, I don't recommend this for everybody, but you can also pull money out of tax deferred accounts. Uh, and you know, again, again, just look at your tax situation yourself to see if that's a good fit, but 401ks, IRAs, uh, can be a source of funds if need be. And then you can do things like borrow from the policy, or even let the dividends pay the premium for you. That's you know very common, especially in retirement. If folks want to do that. And Christine, the neat thing is if you're in retirement, uh, and let's say you sell a property. If your policy still has the lid off the bucket at that point, in other words, if you still got the ability to add money to this policy, and let's mm-hmm. say you sell a highly appreciated real estate, you could dump a lot of that profit into your policy if your policy has been paying for itself you know, in your earlier retirement years. Mm-hmm. So some really powerful ways to keep the policy we call it optionality. You want to give yourself those options in the future. And one way to do that is to allow the policy to cover its own expenses, which can be done as soon as soon as four or five years into the policy and then letting the policy cover its own bogey, so to speak. And then when you sell that real estate, dump those profits into the premium or pay off a loan, some really cool ways you can make that work.
1: Nice.
0: So guys, I see our time. There's so much more. In fact, I had a whole other presentation on taxes. Uh, I might do that throughout the month this month and put it up on our membership site. I'm super excited for you guys. Super proud of all the awesome work everybody's doing to just better their financial life. And I'm honored to be a part of the community with you guys. So um, I will let everyone get onto their day, but do not be a stranger. Uh, make sure uh, to comment, chat, like everything and uh, keep the conversation going over the month. Good being with everybody. So thank you guys for checking out our office hours, our Ask Me Anything. Again, don't hesitate to join notyouraverage.mn.co. It'll give you a chance to see all of what we're up to, upcoming events, speaking engagements, uh, webinars, private articles that we've written, discussion groups, polls, and more where you can really take charge of your financial future. Uh, in a community that's there to support you. So go to notyouraverage.mn.co. And thank you all for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future.